It is Wednesday, August 9th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Well, the Jets get the hard knocks boost. And are the commander's coaches too mean? Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. HBO's Hard Knocks debuts. Some of the Commanders players concerned over Eric Bieniemy's coaching style. And the Angels finally get a post-trade deadline win. Good thing they held on to Otani. Oh, yeah. Well, what is the Vegas lead here, Scott? Well, Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Contest, joins us here on Straight Out of Vegas AM. Hard Knocks aired last night, episode one of the New York Jets. Might as well call it the Aaron Rodgers show because it was very it's a pro fluff piece. Aaron Rodgers. Did you catch the first episode, Fez? I was not able to make it. Um, I'm curious, did he bring his golf clubs with him? Because, my goodness, he can really golf well was that a comment on his handicap cheating or no that's alleged, <laughs> alleged by cheating. josh allen saying he's a three handicap and he gave himself a 10 handicap <laughs> i was at pebble beach and i saw his name right there with former champions seemed like a sham to me well let me just say this hard knocks does a good job every year of pumping up the team that it is showcasing and watching the episode last night it's jets porn and as a jets fan I'm very aroused watching Hard Knocks. No, it's not because of, you know, Liev Shriver's voice, although half the episode was Aaron Rodgers meeting Ray Donovan, which seemed very weird. Yeah, and half of Scott was also very aroused by Solomon Thomas's arms. Oh, yeah, that dude's Ooh. jacked. Uh, your much, arms much are like, look, yeah, your but, arms are looking pretty much like damn good comment on my arms earlier. I got in. It's like it's like <laughs> if someone told me AJ's like, hey, Scott's juicing. I'm like, I I, can, I know. I can tell. <laughs> I wanted to ask you though, we see teams get a boost in the market sometimes because of hard knocks because the public just jumps in to bet on these teams. Do you expect the Jets, who are probably already a little inflated, to be even more inflated as hard knocks continues? You know, I do. And I was thinking about this having just watched the quarterback, and all of a sudden, oh, shocker, after seeing the quarterback, I think more highly of Mahomes and Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. and even Mariota, who quit on his team. <laughs> He's like came across as a you know as a more or less good fella. So you can spin things and the marketplace. We were talking about season wins and all these teams and like oh they've been betting Cleveland over and they've been betting the Bears over and they've been betting the Jets over. Why? Why are they doing that? Because they're betting they the public mm-hmm. is betting everybody over because. They want their team to succeed. Yeah, they were showing a lot of clips of Aaron Rodgers making incredible throws, uh, accurate throws, no-look passes, and comments from the coaching staff. Robert Sala said, man, you know, what a throw, what a throw. The defensive coordinator talking about how, hey, the only reason why he beat us, that's a Hall of Fame throw right there, you know, talking about how the drill in practice. So they're painting Aaron Rodgers out to be the savior of the Jets. They're making the Jets look like this team that is really – a potential Super Bowl candidate this year, a contender. And I do think that the lines might get a little inflated because of it. Now, week one of the preseason, probably not. 
Money's coming in on the Carolina Panthers. The yeah. Panthers are three and a half point favorites over the Jets here week one of the preseason. Carolina actually opened up as a two and a half point dogs so have been a six point move. And what's curious about this is it's completely in con- contrast to the Hall of Fame game where all the money came on the Jets, who mm-hmm. were the two point underdog, closed the the favorite in the game. And I, you know, I'm not a rules committee guy, but uh, sure looked like pass interference to me yep. on st- the Strebler, Strebler throw into you know to the goal line. But uh, the bottom line is Jets certainly could have gotten it done, and uh, I'm kind of shocked that this line has moved all the way. Now, Carolina's going to play young. They're going to play their starters. Apparently, the Jets aren't. Great. Make Carolina the favorite. Make Carolina two-and-a-half-point favorite. Can't go to three-and-a-half. At above three, where it currently is, I think you got to look to invest in the Jets because, hey, they may be overhyped in the regular season, but this certainly looks like a good spot for them off the Hall of Fame loss. Yeah, the thing with this game in particular is the Jets do have the extra preseason game because of the Hall of Fame game. So they're going to manage their players and how much they're going to play their players accordingly because they already have a preseason game under their belt. Also, it's joint practice week. And when you have joint practices with the team that you're playing against in the upcoming preseason game, a lot of the work that you would like to see your players get done in a preseason game is being done in the controlled environment of a joint practice where the coaches can say, okay, hey, we're going to set up third and long. Let's run. Number ones versus number ones. All right, we're gonna, let's move the ball back here. We're going to go, uh, all right, now it's second and short. Here, here's the drill. And so all these coaches, have, they trust me, I've spoken to a lot of coaches around the league over the years, they would much rather have joint practices than have any preseason games. Don't the joint practice games wind up going under more? That there's like the, the the coaches have found out what they need to find out, and then it's more vanilla in the actual actual game. Uh, it's vanilla, and it's backups upon backups because all the starters and the players, like I said, the guys that you want to see get work in, they're getting the work in during the joint practice. So, for the for the Panthers, yeah, they want to see more from their young quarterback. For the Jets, I don't know, I don't know how much Zach Wilson's going to play in this game. It might be it might be a whole lot of. Chris Strebler. You know and what? It didn't I, look good last week against the Browns. I would argue I, ex- I expect a whole lot of Wilson because we got to see if the kid can play. And, you know, the um, it's a certainly a good quarterback rotation for the Jets. That's why they got back so much in the Hall of Fame game. Why have things suddenly changed so much that um, now it isn't? So um, I invested in the Jets. When you're a Jet, you're a Jet all the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day, boys. Okay. Well, Fez, I wanted to ask you about the preseason in general, and I, I hear all the, the Sharps say preseason football is so beatable, and I, I want to know what you're looking for. What, what, what are you targeting? What are the things that you're, that you're trying to identify when you're looking at these, these early, season, or early preseason numbers? Well, the Hitman, pregame's own Hitman, uh, at Hitman428 on Twitter. And you mean you can- on X? On X, and you can buy his stuff on on pregame. And I would recommend if there was one guy I would recommend that you buy in the NFL, other than myself, would be him because he is so on top of it with this news and the like. It's true. It is easy to win in the pregame betting because the numbers are wrong, and then you get the information, the updates, and you know who's starting and who's going to play their starters and who's not going to play their starters. And you know, just by example. Um, and I'm sure Hitman wouldn't mind me giving it out. I think he gave out Green Bay minus one. They're laying five. Gave out Chicago at pick. I gave out Chicago also. And now they're laying three and a half, and it was pick. He's getting at all the line moves. He he had the Rams at plus two and a half, and now they're laying three. Don't, don't go and bet all this stuff because the lines move. Now, it's not easy to beat the preseason in any one moment. It's like a scavenger hunt 
where there's only one piñata, and whoever finds the piñata <laughs> full of candy doesn't take, like, the Reese's Pieces bar. He takes the entire piñata and walks away, and everyone else is left stuck with, you know, nothing to, you know, to eat. So it's easy to win if you get out first. I'll use an example. I don't mind saying two plays I gave out to my clients. I went back last year, and I took a look, and the point of demarcation on these totals is 33, really 33-and-a-half. Anytime you have a week one total— of 33 and a half, not Hall of Fame game, but week one, 33 and a half or less, and these don't come around very often. All these games went flying over last year, and it's just too low. Even if you have crappy quarterbacks, they throw pick sixes, you get to 33. And so because of that, three totals opened up 33. So boom, look at, look at what has happened to these totals. Green Bay Cincinnati opened 32 and a half. I played over 33. Uh, actually, I played over 32 and a half, and it's up to 30. Uh, 35. 35. And even more dramatic, look at Jacksonville, Dallas. 32 and a half it opened. I played over 33. It's 38. 37 and a half, yeah. And finally, the Battle of L.A. Even this game, where neither team has ever shown any interest at all in trying to win the the L.A.'s, 32 and a half is up to 34. So, lesson to be learned. Teach a man to fish, and he'll be able to go to Nobu for the rest of his life <laughs> next year. Play any look for any total thirty three or below week one and hit it over at open. Would you still play Rams Chargers thirty three and a half over? No, because okay. the these these two teams mm-hmm. just are not. I mean, the, obviously McVeigh invented you know just play nobody in preseason, and certainly the Chargers have copied the mat, the model with Staley. You could get a ten six snooze fest. Thanks, Fez. Thank you, gentlemen. AJ, what did you think? About hard knocks. I think what you called it, Jets porn, is about as accurate as possible. And listen, not enough bad stuff has happened in the preseason yet for mm-hmm. like for you to know if if there is going to be a a negative spin on what's going on with the Jets. But like normally, you see some good and some bad. There wasn't really much bad uh, to show out of Jets camp. It was all. Aaron Rodgers is the goat. We mm-hmm. get to play with Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to tell my kids I got to play with Aaron. Like it was everyone sucking his ass. Uh, it was the coaches ooing and aahing over mm-hmm, every throw mm-hmm. that he made. And it was Aaron Rodgers, to his credit, trying to be a little bit humble about it. Yeah. And, uh, but it was uh, – it's what you expect out of Hard Knocks. You expect him to pump the team, especially early in the episode. Yes. And but, a, a couple of things also, like other players on the Jets talking about Aaron Rodgers and about how, oh, he's not like what they portray him in the media. Yeah. You know, it was one of the defensive players grabbed the boom mic and was like, Aaron Rodgers is a good guy. (laughs) Um, But the thing is, you said there's no negativity. There hasn't been anything around the Jets. There's no no holdouts. There's no contract disputes. I mean, when the Jets were on hard knocks the first time, yes, I mean, Rex Ryan's character was amazing, and it was also the infusion of Hall of Fame talent and LaDainian Tomlinson and Jason Taylor. They were coming off the AFC Championship game appearance, so there was a lot to go into the Jets, but part of the 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 appeal and what was so interesting about that hard knock se- series in that season is that a big storyline was Darrell Revis's holdout. Yeah. And it was, remember, Mike Tenenbaum, they had to meet at the, what was it, the Roscoe Diner? That they had to meet with, uh, with Darrell Revis and his camp at the Roscoe Diner. And that was like a big deal. It was part of the episode. It was the drama that surrounded the team. No drama in episode one of Hard Knocks. Not, not, and no drama in Jets camp so far. So and we'll right. see if they can keep it going. 
typically will fi- get into a fight this we'll week with the Panthers or something, right? There will be drama at some They're point. They're going to have to make something up. Yeah, that's usually, but usually you don't even have to. Like, it, it comes on its own. That's, uh, we, we sh- you know, this is, we've been watching this for a long time. Almost every season, there's something that goes awry. Uh, we're going to get to cuts at some point. Yeah, and, that's true. Although they didn't feature cuts as much last year, which mm. is very disappointing to me. It's my favorite time of uh, of the season. The, the knock in the season. Yeah. Hey, like, uh, coach, coach wants to see you. Yeah, Why don't you, 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 you grab your playbook? Bring your iPad. Yeah. Like, coach wants to see you. Why don't yeah. you grab your iPad? <laughs> it's unfortunate. But, uh, but well, yeah, that, that's the, uh, that's, that'll be, maybe that's when the drama shows. One more takeaway. So Aaron Rodgers was really excited to meet Liev Schreiber. And uh, a couple of people met him and, and you know, kept calling him the voice of God. And, and credit to uh, Liev Shriver, who said, I'm just trying to follow in John Facenda's footsteps. Now, John Facenda is the voice of God. That's the old voice on the old NFL films was yeah. John Facenda. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, 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 and so kudos to, to Ray Donovan for, for saying that. But speaking of Ray Donovan, no one mentioned that. Like Roger said, you know, love your work, love what you've done. Maybe I don't know if it's like a maybe an HBO Showtime thing, whatever. They, didn't, I don't know. But you would think that somebody, when he's like, "Hey, did you meet him? Did you meet him?" And talking to the other players, "Did you meet him? Did you meet him?" No one would say, "Oh, that's Ray Donovan." No one did. I love Ray Donovan. Or hey, man, I loved you on Ray Donovan. Great show. No, no one said anything. Half those guys don't even know. They, they probably don't even know who he is. I guess I didn't consider the HBO Showtime thing. That's got to be a factor. That they don't like they don't advertise a Showtime show. They don't want to acknowledge that show on HBO. Right. I mean, that's the only that's the only reasonable explanation. That's what he's most famous for, to be yes. honest. Like I know the Hard Knocks. Like it's we all love Hard Knocks. We're sports guys, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's been in a lot of works. He's been, he's been a working actor for a very yeah. long time. But Ray Donovan was a huge series. Yeah, there, there's no way that's not what he's most famous for. So the fact that no one mentioned it, although. Listen, you know how long ago did Ray Donovan go off air? Twenty twenty pandemic around there. Okay, yeah, I thought it was a little longer. I was thinking twenty eighteen or so. But no, okay. Well, a lot of these guys are young guys, and we've got short attention spans in this country. People forget in a hurry. Speaking of drama in the preseason and in training camp, there's some drama in DC as the Commanders players really don't or, or they're. I don't want to call them soft, AJ. They're soft. But the reports are, and Ron Rivera, I don't know why he would let this out, players are concerned by Eric Bieniemy's intensity. Let me play you some quotes here. This is Ron Rivera first, and then I'll play you Eric Bieniemy's response. You know, and I've I've had a number of guys come to me, and I say, hey, just go talk to him. I said, understand what he's trying to get across to you, you know, and – and I think, you know, I think as they go and they talk and they listen to them, it's, it's, been, it's been enlightening for a lot of these guys. I mean, it's a whole different approach. Um, you know, you, again, you get a different kind of player from, from the players back in the past, um, especially in light of how things are coming out of college football. So a lot of these young guys, you know, they do struggle with certain, certain things. Um, and a lot of you also got to take for where they've been. I mean, guys coming from certain programs are used to it. Guys coming from other programs aren't as much. So... You, you know, us as a coach, you know, I, I kind of have to assimilate and get a feel for everybody. You know, Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and he's not going to change and, and, and because he believes in it. Jack has his approach. You know, um, having been a head coach, I think Jack has a tendency to try and figure guys out a little bit more. 
as opposed to, hey, this is it, this is the way it's going to be, that type of stuff, where Eric, Eric hasn't had that, 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 uh, that experience yet. A little concerning that the head coach would uh, say that about his assistant coach, about the offensive coordinator that's brought in, that he hasn't had that experience of really getting to know guys and figuring out what they need. How much of that do you think is a defense mechanism from Rivera, who probably realizes he's on the hot seat. He like the the new ownership group didn't choose him to be the head coach. Mm-hmm. This is oh, I for sure think very he's well gone. him training his replacement yes. essentially. Yes, I, I for sure think he's gone at the at the end uh, either during the year or at the end of the year he for sure is gone. Uh, here was Eric Bieniemy's response. Have there have there been instances where players have, um, I guess struggle to adapt to your coaching style and have come up to you and had a conversation about it. And so before it even goes anywhere, I make it the point to address the conversation because one thing, my job is to be a very observant. I, I got to know the people that I'm discussing and, uh, and working with. So my job is to address. If there's something that they may have an issue with, please, let's discuss this. Here's the reason why I felt a certain way. Here's why I said it. Now, okay, I put it back on the player. And you got to understand, we're in a grown man's business. We're in a grown man's world. My job is to make sure that I'm doing the best possible job of over-communicating clarity. I take a tremendous amount of pride in that. They also know when I'm getting on them, ain't nothing personal. What's personal is that I want us to win. I expect that particular player to be great at all times. I expect the effort to be a standard that's uh, accepted by all of us. So when you're not reaching that, it's my job to address it. So sometimes they may like the highlights and the praise, but sometimes they may not like it. And I'm perfectly fine with that because that's my job. Because if I ain't doing my job, my ass get fired. So. It's my job and my responsibility to make sure and I'm getting our guys to do what I expect them to do. Seems like it might be a little bit of a old school approach, new school player type thing. Certainly what I'm reading out of this, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think that there's a disconnect between Biennemi and the players. And is this part of the reason why? He has interviewed 15 times for a head coaching position, but has not been hired to be a head coach yet. It's possible, but it's also, look, the the organization he's been involved with has had a lot of success with him there. The organization that he's coming to has not had a lot of success in recent years. So when someone comes from someplace where they've had a lot of success and they're not inclined to change the way they do things, and of course, they they want to keep they want to bring that winning culture to their new place. Sometimes that takes a, an uncomfortable feeling from the people that have been in the new place. They don't want to be treated like that. But the way they've been being treated for years clearly isn't working, mm-hmm. or they'd be better. So I, I think it's more it's more of that. I, you, I mean, you may be right. It could, but I don't know any GMs or owners that would sit down. And hear Eric Bieniemy talk and say, "Ooh, this guy's going to be too hard on our guys. We better not hire him." I do think that you know when he says they got to understand we're in a grown man's business. It, it's putting down the players a little bit, 
But some players do respond to it. Uh, Antonio Gibson said that they're practicing more and faster than he has. He said, quote, I haven't practiced like this since I've been in the league. He says, quote, sometimes some people can come off a little more softer, more caring, but sometimes you need somebody to get into you. It just helps you. That shows they really care, and at the same time, it's like, get this done so he ain't yelling at me, end quote. I think that's just the enemy style is playing the the disciplinarian, the tough guy, the bad guy. You know, it, it, it works for some coaches. Tom Coughlin was known to be a hard ass, and it worked for him. It, you know when being a hard ass works is when you're winning. Sure. When you're being a hard ass and you're losing, so what no you're one saying wants is, to be around it. What you're saying is when you have a winning culture like the Kansas City Chiefs, you can get approach, away with a lot your more. Your approach can work. Yeah. When you have a culture of losing and players with no accountability, like Washington is in right now, an organization in limbo, and you come in and you try to change things where they're accustomed to maybe Ron Rivera who's a little more soft spoken then it probably doesn't go over too yeah, well. It changes. The players are uncomfortable with it, and they don't like it. But what they, they, if they win this season, guess what? Those players will come around. Well, I'm on the under on the win total, so <laughs> I, I'm actually happy to read these. Well, so here's, here's the good news, uh, or I guess the bad news, if you're a commander's player. If, if you don't win this season, chances are good. You have Eric Bieniemy next season without Ron Rivera to be a buffer. That's fair. That's fair, because he was brought in for a reason. I don't think he's going to be one and done as the offensive coordinator there. Uh, Elsewhere around the league, Kareem Hunt had a meeting with the New Orleans Saints, and he is meeting now with the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, suddenly interest is ramped up on this guy. It's been quiet, 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 and then it's like, oh, close to signing with the Saints. Colts, pick up the phone. Hey, hey. Well, here's what's going on now with the Colts, because Jonathan Taylor and the team are still in a standoff. Nothing has changed, but Taylor has left training camp. Oh, he's to deal he, with an ankle injury. He says in. he's going to rehab his injury off site. And so the Saints who are in the market running back depth. Obviously, Kamara is going to have a three game suspension. They have Jamal Williams, uh, but the Colts need a running back. And they maybe you're right. Maybe it's they saw what was going on and say, hey, we can't let this guy sign somewhere else. Uh, the Colts did sign Kenyon Drake. And maybe doing their due diligence and trying to bring in a guy like Kareem Hunt as well. And it makes sense. Kareem Hunt, we, when we talked about this a couple, I guess it was a week or two ago, mm-hmm. who's the best free agent out there, you're running back. I joked in our end that I said Kenyon Drake's going to sign. And he did. Did. I said, watch it be a guy like, you were saying Kareem Hunt's the best option out there. And I said, yeah, watch them sign a guy like Kenyon Drake. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> and I, the Colts I, signed Kenyon Drake. I still think Kareem Hunt is the best option out there. Yeah. It's just a matter of uh, where, where is he going to where is he going to sign on? I, what's Which situation do you feel better about right now? Uh, it, it seems like the expectation is – both the Saints and the Colts have a starting running back that's going to return at some point. Uh, but w- which Only one's guaranteed to return. Only one is guaranteed to return. So it's, it's, an, interesting, it's an interesting decision for Hunt. And I, who knows what the financials are involved. But if you're looking to win, where's the better place? You, where do you think you've got a better New shot? Orleans. They're favorite to win the division. Seems that way. But also, but although, listen, the AFC South to me is wide open. Like if the, I mean, obviously the Jags are favored. They're mm-hmm. the defending champions, but 
the Jags don't have a, a very long history of being good in no, that I division recently. The, the thing with the Saints is, is if you're Kareem Hunt and you go sign there and Kamara's gone for three weeks, so you get a ton of carries in the first three weeks, but then when Kamara comes back, where do you fit in your third string behind Kamara and, and Williams? Yeah. Seems that way. It almost feels like you're guaranteeing yourself fewer carries if you go to New Orleans. But if Jonathan Taylor's back week one, week two, he he's not a guy that really splits carries. He's the guy. Sure. So, but, but with Zach Moss's injury and, you know, Kenyon Drake being a whatever and Deion Jackson, I feel like there's more of an opportunity that you can be the, the number two and you'll be right behind Jonathan Taylor. And I still think Kareem Hunt's one of the 32 best running backs in the league, probably. Like, I, it, for him to be at number two, or number three, is almost, it's absurd. Uh, That's but, probably fair. Like, looking around, I mean, there's, yeah, there, there might be some bad, like, a worse starter out been, there. He's been on the team with Nick Chubb for a while. Like, guess what? Nick Chubb's really, really good. Like, he'd be the best running back on the Bucks right now. Like, no he's better, like Rashad White's their number yeah. one. Like, yeah, like, Kareem Hunt will be their number one. He might, he might be the number one in Buffalo. Yeah, James Cook. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, and that's a good good team. Although Buffalo's not looking to pay someone like mm-hmm. him, so mm-hmm. they don't need it. He might be the number one back in New England. Like, it, There's places around the league. Where no, could, Ramondre Stevenson's good. Okay. It, it, has Ramondre Stevenson ever had a, a season like Kareem Hunt's had? Last year. I I don't think his best season's better than Kareem Hunt's not best, best season. season. But last year, he was his, his second year solid. in the league. He rushed for over a thousand yards. Well, yeah, he's a solid player. Yeah. I I don't know if I think he's better for sure than Kareem Hunt. Well, I, no, I mean Kareem Hunt before the Kareem Hunt incident. You know, Kareem Hunt was one of the best running backs in the NFL. And then obviously, you can look at places like Arizona. Who like could he help them? Sure, Houston. Could he help them? Sure. But what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you what are you going there for? Yeah, I agree. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. For no additional charge, find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, 
Are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Some news in college football where a couple players, notably Tez Walker, North Carolina wide receiver, uh, had their waivers for immediate eligibility turned down yesterday by the NCAA. And Tez Walker, well, Florida State defensive lineman Daryl Jackson Jr., we'll get to him as well. Tez Walker was a preseason first-team All-ACC. This is one of the best wide receivers in in the ACC. Playing with Drake May, expected to be the best quarterback in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Expected and, to be his number one target. Yeah. And they denied him a two-time transfer. He spent the last two years at Kent State. He originally signed at NC Central. This was back in 2020. He left NC Central having never played a game there. Season was canceled because due of COVID. COVID yep. So... But the NCAA is saying that means you're a two-time transfer. You can't be immediately eligible. He has two years of college eligibility left, but he can't play this year technically because he's a two-time transfer. Right. Although he never stepped foot on the field for NC Central, this feels like it's way wrong to me. Mm -hmm. And he's appealed the decision. I mean, I don't don't know. Are you appealing it to the NCAA? I don't know. Uh, it doesn't feel right because this is a huge blow to the Tar Heels. He, like I said, this is their their top offensive threat on the outside, uh, and they've got some other players. They they, they brought in a, a, tra- a transfer from Georgia Tech, Nate McCollum, um, Andre Green. It, it looks like he's going to be pretty good, but this was their guy. So now they appeal. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't think he plays this season, or at least he's certainly not going to. I don't think he's going to play uh, in the season opener on September 2nd, uh, which is is unfortunate because I, I don't like that, them saying that this is a two-time transfer when he never even got to play at NC Central because they didn't have a football season. Mac Brown said, quote, when he transferred, we thought it was an absolute no-brainer because he fits every reason that transfers should be eligible. And then we were really, really surprised when it was denied and disappointment. And apparently, I mean, this kid's taken it pretty pretty bad. Um, he's, he's upset about it, obviously. Uh, it's affecting him personally. He released a statement. Um, Quote, one day we feel the excitement of being close to each other. The next day we're worried about whether or not I'm going to be able to play. Before, I was dealing with the stress and anxiety of being away from home. Now I've been dealing with those same things through the waiver process, and it's just making things worse. This should be one of the happiest times of my life, and instead, I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm struggling with all of it. I want this to be over. I want to stop feeling like this. I just want to play. I want my grandmother to come watch me. I want to be a student athlete, and I hope those in charge give me that opportunity, end quote. So it sounds like it's affecting his mental state right now, and that's something even Mac Brown specified in his comments, quote, The NCAA right now is doing so much for the care of the student-athlete. Mental health, 
financially for parents. This fits in all of the group of things that they're talking about helping student athletes with. And that's why we feel like this should be a no-brainer. And we need it done sooner than later because it's really stressful for him. And it's not about us. It's not about playing. It's not about practice. It's about him and his mental health, end quote. Yeah, and listen, we've mentioned Daryl Jackson Jr., uh, who transferred to Florida State. His situation, you, you feel for him as well. He, he started his career at Maryland, uh, played all 12 games for Miami last year, and he was actually going to Florida State on a hardship waiver, or that's what he was hoping to get was a hardship mm-hmm. waiver because he's got a, uh, a sick mom and basically said he needed to be at home closer to his mom. They denied that as well. Uh, which is listen, the NCAA is so ass backwards right now when it comes to football. You got conferences running their own things, schools leaving and going to different conferences and making their own schedules. And they have this is what they want authority over. Yeah, you know, like NIL is is driving things up the wall. And I understand you don't want college football free agency because that's what's happening with NIL sure. right now, right? It's oh, you know what. I'm not making enough money at this school, so I'm going to go transfer somewhere else to make more money. But when it's a non-financial reason, it's not an NIL reason. One player wants to be closer to home because his mom is sick. Another player's got mental health issues and, and just wants to play because he had a season canceled due to COVID and transferred to a school with two years of eligibility left. To me, I think you can... You can say yes to a waiver and allow the kid to play right away. I don't know how much he affects the odds on North Carolina, but part of the reason why I like North Carolina a lot and pick them as my what dark horse in the ACC was because of the quarterback and because of the offense. And this is a big piece of the offense. This is a huge piece of the offense. Current odds in the ACC, North Carolina, the uh, co-third favorite with Louisville at 10 to 1, Florida State uh, plus 150. They are second favorite to Clemson, who is plus 145. And tomorrow we will continue the college football discussion with our Pac-12 preview. Probably the last Pac-12 preview in the history of Straight Out of Vegas. That's it. Some bad injury news in Major League Baseball as, according to reports, Shane McClanahan is highly unlikely to pitch again this season for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, That, according to manager Kevin Cash, McClanahan's going to have his left forearm evaluated by another specialist. Surgery is uh, among the possibilities. It could be Tommy John. It could just be like a loose body removal type thing or a flexor surgery. But McClanahan, 11-2 this year with a 3.29 ERA in 21 starts, left his last start against the Yankees with tightness in his left forearm. And he's dealt with other injuries this year. He had the back issue and whatnot, but this is a big blow for the Tampa Bay Rays World Series hopes, AJ. Yeah, this is a, this is a bummer because Shane McClanahan – He's been he hasn't been as dominant uh, in the second half as he was in the first half, but this was the guy who you envisioned pitching the first game of your playoff series, and you follow him up with Glass now, and it's like man, that's that's a really tough combo to beat, and you take Shane McClanahan, the the horse, the ace off this Tampa Bay Rays team, it's it's hard to envision them having a shot at a World Series. Tampa's the kind of team, and when, listen, any of these teams, Baltimore, the same way. 
when you're a low payroll team, you need everything to break your way. And this is the kind of thing you really can't afford to have happen. So very unfortunate for Tampa, who's had a great season. Shane McClanahan's had a great season. Looks like he won't be around for any kind of a playoff. Boy, they started out so hot. The best team in Major League Baseball. An incredible record to start the year. And now they are in second place, two games back of the Baltimore Orioles. Still with a plus 149 run differential. They've won seven of their last ten games. But uh, without McClanahan, it's going to be tough going here down the stretch. Already without Drew Rasmussen, keep in mind that they lost him earlier in the season. So it's like two of your, two of your best pitchers out for the year. And how are you going to win a World Series? And credit to them for going out and getting Aaron Savali at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Like It helps soften the blow. But the idea was you were strengthening your, yep. your rotation and your rotation is now weaker after the trade deadline than it was before. Rays plus 450 break. to win the American League, the fourth favorite to win the American League. Yeah, it's, it's hard to envision without McClanahan. Like, he's the guy who you you could throw twice in a World Series and yep. you say, like, man, you got a real chance because that's two games. Somebody's going to have a hard time beating you. Uh, now you look around you look around baseball and it's like uh, there's a lot of teams that have a, a, a top guy better than Tyler Glass now. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's going to be tough on the race. Let's take a look at the schedule here for today. Uh, the Rays will uh, continue their series with the Cardinals tonight. Jalen Beeks is going to be the opener for the Rays. D- Dakota Hudson goes for the Cardinals. Rays are minus 155. Marlins are at the Reds. Day game there in Cincinnati. Graham Ashcraft goes for the Reds. Johnny Cueto for the Marlins. Cincinnati's minus 125. Rockies are at the Brewers. Chris Flexen goes for Colorado. Adrian Hauser for Milwaukee. Milwaukee's minus 235. Rangers are at the A's. Jordan Montgomery scheduled to go for the Rangers. And for the A's, it's Austin Pruitt. The Twins are at the Tigers. I don't really want to talk about the Twins and Tigers. Oh. Yes. What do you mean? Our best bet under on the show hit under eight, we said. Your best bet oh. under eight. My Nerfy was probably the worst beat I've had all season. That was a, It was a tough one. I, I felt for you. Two outs, bottom of the first inning. We're just one out away from getting out of the first inning with the no runs. There's a runner on second, whatever. Miguel Cabrera is up, and he's got one home run this year, so you're not worried about him doing any real damage. Hits a dribbler up the middle. Second baseman, Jorge Polanco, fields it. Cabrera jogs to first. I, I actually think that was up. A, I think I think in like looking at the video, I think that was a full sprint. <laughs> it was it was slow. <laughs> it's a Miguel Cabrera sprint. Polanco fields the ground ball on the run, and instead of just like stopping and throwing the ball, or even just like throwing it softly, throw fires it on the run as if he's trying to throw out the uh, Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah. And he throws it away from first base, and the runner scores. Might have had more time than you thought there. More time, AJ. Like he could have made a sandwich. Yeah. (laughs) He had all the time in the world. That was a tough break. And at the time, I was like, oh, no. What if this affects my under? (laughs) But, yeah, for you, it was a more immediate uh, kick in the balls. Minnesota's Minnesota's minus 165. Bailey Ober on the mound tonight. Alex Fajardo goes for Detroit. Nationals are at the Phillies. Mackenzie Gore for D.C. Michael Lorenzen for the Phillies. Philly minus 190. Astros at the Orioles. Christian Javier for Houston. What a win for the Astros yesterday. Kyle Mm -hmm. Tucker, ninth inning grand slam. 
beat the Orioles seven to six. Yeah, that's a tough loss for Baltimore. Uh, they'll see if they can bounce back with Jack Flaherty on the mound. Baltimore's minus one twenty-five tonight. Braves are at the Pirates. Max Freed for Atlanta. Quinn Priester. For the Pirates, Atlanta's minus 292. Yeah, and Acuna left after he got hit by a pitch. Uh, X-rays are negative, but who, who knows if he'll be in the lineup today. I think it happened once before with him where he got hit by a pitch, and I was like, oh, the next day, like, he's not going to be in the lineup. He was in the lineup. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Cubs are at the Mets. Kyle Hendricks goes for Chicago. David Peterson for the Mets. Chicago minus 115. Royals at the Red Sox. Royals off a win. Royals off a win. Jordan Lyles off the win. <sighs> He goes for the Royals. Nick Pavetta for the Red Sox. Boston minus 225. Blue Jays are at the Guardians. Kevin Gosman for Toronto. Logan Allen for Cleveland. Toronto minus 155. Yankees at the White Sox. Clevenger goes for the White Sox. Not sure what the Yankees are going to do with their pitching situation. Yankees don't have any pitchers. No, they don't. Uh, Giants at the Angels. Congratulations. The Angels finally got a win, AJ. Their let's, first let's hear win. It. Come on. First post-trade deadline victory. It's got to feel good. win after the trade deadline. Shohei Otani will start for the Angels as they look to make it two in a row. Ryan Walker scheduled to go for the Giants. Dodgers at the Diamondbacks. Bobby Miller for the Dodgers. Merrill Kelly. Going for the Diamondbacks, Dodgers minus 130, and the Padres at the Mariners. You Darvish scheduled to go for the Padres. Not sure what the Mariners are going to do just yet. Seattle with the win yesterday. Taking a look at the updated standings now in the wild card race. Seattle two games behind the Blue Jays for a wild card spot. Yankees four and a half games back of a wild card spot. Cubbies, they are in possession, tied with the Reds for the third wild card. Marlins half game back. Padres. Four games back. Mm. But they've lost three straight games to Padres. Yeah, that's a tough climb for them. They got to figure it out. They got to figure it out. Here's something we figured out for you. How to save money at pregame.com. If you go to pregame.com right now, you can buy a season-long subscription package to your favorite pregame pro for the NFL season or college football season. Or you can just look at the buy picks page and take a Take a best bet. Buy a best bet. Why not? A three-star bet. If you're new to pregame.com, sign up for free and get a free $25 site credit. You could use that to get a free daily best bet. But we're going to give you 20% off just because you listen to this podcast. If you use the promo code HARD20, HARD20, like the way Eric Bieniemy coaches, HARD20 will get you 20% off at pregame.com. You can use that 20% off a discounted package so you can save even more money at pregame.com. Again, hard 20 gets you 20% off. Or it's like maybe it could have been hard 90, like Miguel ran a hard 90. Or hard 75. You know what hard 75 is? No. That's uh, It's like a, a, a lifestyle program where for 75 days – you have to have two 45-minute workouts per day. Mm-hmm. One of those workouts have to, has to be outside. Okay. Ooh, they didn't live in Vegas. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you have to read 10 pages of a book Okay. every day. You have to follow a diet. doesn't matter what diet, but you have to follow a diet strictly. Candy diet. And you must abstain from drugs and alcohol. <sighs> Count me out. And after 75 days. You're a new man. Your life will change. Okay. That's some David Goggins text. Have you done it? I do what's called a soft, you know, instead of hard, soft 75. Okay. I mean, I do one workout a day, not two. Uh-huh. I do read every day. Uh, my alcohol intake is like on the weekends. I don't, drink, I don't drink during the week. Less than mine, certainly. Much less than yours. Yeah. Yeah. 
You're a whiskey. You're a whiskey neat guy. You're gonna go home now and have a whiskey. No, it's uh. Listen, we. I, I'm trying not to. Uh, anytime before 9 a.m., I try to abstain. It's five five p.m. somewhere. That's true. I think Especially it's like Zimbabwe or something. But somewhere. And, and here in Vegas, it's always happy. It's hour. true. For AJ Hoffman and Steve Fezzik, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. Hey, yeah.